0: This week, we hear testimonies from several of our own group members about how God has worked in their life over the last year. Okay, so last week, some of y'all were here, and you heard Stephen Shrewsbury's testimony. Um, how many of y'all were here last week? to hear that? Okay, so a handful. So Stephen Shrewsbury, um, he's a professor in Nacogdoches, but he came and shared his testimony, and it is just like, he's truly just so interesting. Um, and so he came all the way out here and just told us his story. Um, and so... Part of why that was perfect was because I wanted um, him to join us, one, because his story is amazing and he's worth hearing, Um, but two, because it fits in perfectly with where our church is at right now, the things that we're focusing on together as a church. Um, Our theme for this year has been go and tell, okay? And so it's on the front doors if you've seen that as you've walked into church. Um, It was the theme of Christmas at first over the holidays, Um, And we've kind of adopted that for the entire year um, because we want to be a witnessing people, right? And it would be silly, and I would say sinful as well, for us to have these experiences with the Lord and to see the hand of God move in our life and then to not tell anyone about it, right? Um, Because over and over again in Scripture, we get the command to tell others about what God has done in our life, right? That didn't start with the Great Commission, although that's a big one, right? It didn't start there. Um, it's been, that has been the expectation that God has given us from the very beginning, that we would go and tell what the Lord has done. Um, we see that in the Old Testament, right? Moses um, commands the Israelites to tell their children about what happened at the Passover and in Exodus 12. It says, When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. Right. And so back, all the way back, right? even with Moses, that was the, the command that the Lord gave them, was to share their testimony of how God rescued them. Right? Um, and then obviously we get the Great Commission right? in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new dis- disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you to the end of the age. Right, and so that's, that's where we get this idea of sharing our testimony. Um, and really, the entire New Testament is basically, but really the entire Bible is basically a testimony, right? Uh, lots of testimonies put together. Um, the gospel writers gave testimony to what they witnessed of Jesus. Paul and the other writers of the epistles are sharing their testimony um, through their letters, right? And when we say testimony, sometimes that has like a legal, you know, lens, right? Someone gives testimony when they're on the witness stand, right? Um, but when we're talking about it here, it's simply all testimony is is a written or spoken record of what God has done, Okay. Um, and then in Revelation 12, and I'm going fast because I want to give our folks time to share um, because I'm really excited about um, what they have to share tonight. But in Revelation twelve eleven, it says something kind of interesting. It says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Right? And so... That's always been an interesting phrase to me. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, So, this isn't just when we share our testimonies or we have a testimony night like we're doing tonight, um, it's not just sharing nice stories, right? That's kind of lowbrow. We're not just sharing a happy thing that happened to us. Um, This is weighty, impactful stuff, right? And it's in that in Revelation, it says, it's by the blood of Jesus that we're saved and, then, and that we have victory. And our testimony of Jesus' work in our lives holds that really immense power. Right? And so, as we're thinking about testimony, I want us to understand the weight of that. Okay, Because I know that we know this, um, but sometimes it's easy to forget um, that the church isn't just like a waiting room for heaven. Right? Um, we don't have this miraculous experience of the saving grace of God just to wait around and sit on our hands um, until we can be reunited with God, right? The kingdom of, of God is about here and now in this physical world just as much as it is about eternity, right? And we advance the kingdom of God through our testimony. That is how we do it. And we overcomplicate it all the time, and we have pamphlets, and we do all these things, right? We kind of overcomplicate what testimony is, um, But all it is is sharing what God has done in your life. Um, And we have our kind of our big life testimony of how we found the Lord, but we also have tons of quote-unquote little testimonies all the time. I was just talking to Sarah, who's sharing with us later, and she's like, there's so much. I don't don't know how I'm going to—there's so much. And of course there is, because hopefully when we're in tune with how the Spirit is working— There's constantly new ways that we see God working in our life, right? And we constantly have a new testimony. Um, And sometimes it's easy um, for us to kind of tune out to that. And God is working and we don't even realize it. Um, But the more that we have a pulse on the Spirit and the more we're seeking the Lord and prayer and reading the Word and spending time in worship and these things, um, the more we can see how God is actually moving in our lives, right? Um, It informs our, our worldview. And when it Informs our worldview, we see everything through that lens, right? Something that was a coincidence or something that was just a happy accident, now you're realizing that the Lord has been working towards that for so long, right? Um, and we want to view everything in our lives through the lens of how God is working. Um, and so before we have folks come up, um, I want to share just a few things to keep in mind as you. As if you're sharing your testimony sometime in the future or as you're hearing someone's testimony, like I said, this isn't a passive experience for you to hear someone else's testimony either. Um, they, they have functions and they have power and um, they're full, rich stories that are not just, um, we're not just hearing words. They're more than that. Um, and ironically, the Lord, the Lord kind of showed me seven things about testimonies, which is a nice round biblical number, but um, there's a lot of ways that, um, testimonies can speak to us beyond just kind of a hit of encouragement. Um, and first, simply, testimonies reveal how God works. Um, and like we said, Scripture is a testimony, and so that's a big example of how God works. Um, but also, hearing how God has worked in somebody else's life shows us that that is something that is within the realm of possibilities of what God can do, Right? Um, They show us how God moves in the world. They form our theology or our understanding of God. The more testimony we hear, the more full of an understanding we have of how God works. Um, And second, they create an expectation in our heart for God to move. They kind of prophetically stir people to the power of God in their own life. Because like I said, sometimes we can become dull to how the Spirit is moving. Um, But hearing how the power of God has moved in somebody else's life can stir up that expectation in your own heart to say, okay, I know God is moving in me too. And you kind of awaken to that. And third, they allow us who are hearing it to have an encounter with the Spirit. Like I said, these aren't just dead words. Just like when we read Scripture, we're having an encounter with the Spirit because they're not just dead words on a page. It's the living and active Word of God. And so every time you go to Scripture, you're having an encounter with the Spirit. And every time you hear someone's testimony... As long as it is Christ and Christ crucified, you're having an encounter with the Spirit too. Um, And so when when someone shares their testimony, they're kind of multiplying the power of what God has done, right? Because now it's not just something powerful that happened to them. It's something powerful that you get to share in as part of the body of Christ. Um, And fourth, when you hear a testimony, um, their story becomes your story, right? Right? And like we, we talked about this in Sunday school recently um, when we were talking about Aiken um, sitting in the camp, right? It was this one man's sin impacted the entire group, right? And that's the, the bummer version of that rule. But similarly, the faith of one person impacts the entire body, right? And so we're celebrating now, even though we talked about how sin impacts everybody a few days ago, we're, we're enjoying the flip side of that, that f- the faith of one person impacts everybody around you too, um, Because my life of faith is not separate from Shana's life of faith. Her testimony becomes my testimony too. Um, And fifth, like we said before, testimonies are how we grow the kingdom of God. They're how faith gets handed down through generations and across nations, right? It's how generations are connected through faith. This is how the story gets told, right? This is how people find faith, um, is witnessing to what God has done. Um, in their own life. Um, And sixth, they give us some strength, and we've talked about this in past Sundays too. They give us strength to carry on regardless of our circumstances, right? And that includes testimony of scripture, and that includes testimony that we hear, like we're going to hear tonight. Um, Because the testimony of what God has done in the past, it gives us a promise of how God can work in the future. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he didn't he doesn't work one way in the Old Testament and one way in the New Testament. He doesn't work one way in the book of Acts and one way now, right? That is, the Lord is the same, and his spirit is just as much at work. Um, and we've, we've talked about this idea before, um, and I think it's actually Matt Chandler that said this, but, you know, when we gather in communities like right now on Wednesday nights or at church, um, where we're in a community of believers, we can shout and, and sing loudly, um, what is true about God, so that as we go throughout our week um, and we're in maybe a darker space or a less secure space, we can whisper that same truth because we've already shouted it before, right? And so when we gather tonight, we're going to hear people, not literally shouting, please, but (laughs) figuratively shouting the truth so that as we go into our workplace tomorrow and we have a, a dark day or we go throughout our lives and there's dark moments We've already heard the truth shouted. And so we can whisper that in dark moments. Right? Um, and finally, as we've said, um, testimonies aren't just words. They're prophetic words. Right? It says Revelation in, in Revelation 19, uh, verse 10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Um, and it's prophetic in that it proclaims who God is. And that's what prophecy is, right? It's proclaiming who God is. Um, And so testimonies aren't just um, plain words. They are a live witness to how the Spirit is moving. Um, And so I say all that because I don't want you to walk away saying, well, that's nice. Um, The Lord moved in in a few people's lives, and and that's cool. Because that is cool. But it's so much more than that. Okay, You get to participate in this testimony too. um, Just as... Stephen's story that he shared last week was so amazing. That's our testimony too. Um, and so I want us to keep those things in the back of our minds um, as, we're, as we're hearing folks share their stories. Um, and like I said, I want us to be a witnessing people. Um, I want the work that God has done in your life to be flowing freely from your lips. And it's easy to kind of go through the motions and, um, and not have that be the thing that we are constantly speaking, but that's the goal, right? The goal is for us to be constantly talking about what the Lord has done because that's on the top of our hearts. Um, and if we're not doing that with each other in here, it's really, really hard to do it out there. And so I want us to get a little bit of practice in tonight, and I want us to, um, to hear how the Lord has been working. So with all that in mind, um, I want to bring up um, Rudy and... Uh, Rudy, yeah, you can come up first. Um, I want to pray for Rudy uh, before he shares, but um, we're going to have Rudy and then Dean and then Sarah um, share their stories with us, and they uh, generously agreed to do this. Um, but Rudy, let me pray for you, and then we, we will get started. Awesome. Okay. Lord, we thank you for Rudy's testimony because um, it is a way that you have been at work and alive, and it is a way that we can witness in our own lives how you've been at work. And so, Lord, we ask that you would use this testimony to open our hearts um, and use the testimonies of Dean and Sarah, Lord, to, to show us new things about how you work in the world. Lord, help this to expand our theology. Help this to, to grow our understanding of you. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Rudy, take it away.
1: <laughs> Hi there. My name is Rudy. <laughs> That's how I start, like, everything. <laughs> like an addict. So um, for me, uh, I guess uh, one of the main points I want to bring up before we start anything is talking about my family. Uh, where, I grew up, where I grew up, I grew up in a household where my mom was the Spanish Baptist lady and my dad was the non-practicing Catholic who I don't even think he ever stepped foot in a church besides the funeral of his father. But it was, uh, I, for me and a lot of people my age, uh, I was tricked into going to church with Oreo cookies and VeggieTales videos. Oh and, okay, uh,
0: that's how my parents got me to go to the church. We would go out to lunch <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Food is a good evangelism mm-hmm. tool. Okay,
1: and, then, good go. and over time, you know, they take away the, the cookies, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they take away the VeggieTales, and they replace it with some dude talking. And as a kid, it's the worst, you know? <laughs> and so I'm growing up. I am a very polite guy. Um, I'm the nice kid in church that people are always like, I... Porque no puedes más como Rodolfo. Why can't you be more like Rudy? Look at him. And, um, but sadly, I think it's the same for a lot of people growing up in church. I did have my double life as well. I was one person on Sunday. I go to school and I was a completely different person. I think I had one of the most uh, potty mouths of all. I, would, uh, I love making jokes all the time now. You can imagine over there without any boundaries, I would just push it as far as I could just to get a laugh from someone. But it was, uh, I would do all sorts of things, help out with the music. I would help out with the children, show them that Jesus loved them. Then all of a sudden, I got to go to college. I got to go to university in Laredo. When I got there that first semester, I came to the realization that my faith was just piggybacking off of my mother's the entire time. I found my happiness with a group of students that would do whatever they wanted and what ended up happening to me I just joined them in that all of a sudden I found myself in like the darkest spot I had ever been in realizing like how could I be here I've never done this before and now I'm stuck in this I feel ultimately depressed every single day every single day I'm questioning am I going to heaven and hell because if Jesus came back right now I would go to hell like I felt it Uh, my mom was The Christian lady that I didn't want to hear anything from, you know, especially when you're in college. It's like I've heard it. I've heard it many times. She's not the one I'm looking for. But uh, God brought an angel and God brought a a, a girl, a girl to the university that had not just faith, but she had uh, the words of God telling her to go out and to share and to tell people what the gospel was. And for some miraculous reason, I bumped into her. All of a sudden, I'm hearing this gospel, and despite me sharing the gospel with many children in my personal church growing up for the first time ever, my heart's opening up to it. All of a sudden, my life is forever changed. All of a sudden, I find myself learning what it means to walk with Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, like the things that I liked before are no longer things that I enjoy, and all of a sudden, I'm changing my majors just to fit a life of ministry because that's where my heart lies And that's where my heart still lies to this day. So God really, really opened up my heart. That's where I started walking. That's where I started to learn. That's where I started to ask God to grow and to give me wisdom. But the main part of why I want to be here today is also to talk about, uh, I guess, a gifting, maybe, that the Lord has given me. Um, Just to be able to talk with individuals. I get to talk to strangers super easily. Uh, I can have conversations super, super well, but it wasn't until coming to walk with Christ when I realized there's a difference between liking people and loving them enough to share the gospel, because uh, when I was asked, can you share the gospel, I was like, did you read the Bible? (laughs) But in reality, I had no clue how to share the gospel myself, and I remember the first time someone tried to make me share it, I was like, that's not going to happen, But yet, the Lord opened me up. I got to, uh, I've got to share the gospel with many people growing up, uh, growing since that moment. Some people getting to hear it, getting to feel like something needs to change. Other people just straight up rejecting uh, the words that are coming out of my mouth. They weren't rejecting me. They were rejecting God, really. But I've gotten to the point where now I'm in ministry I get to share with people almost on the daily what the gospel is, sharing them that Jesus Christ paid the price for the sins, and now we have this connection with God that we can come back to him, have everlasting life through him, and we get to follow Jesus. What more of a beautiful thing. So a big portion of this semester, um, every spring semester, we have a we have our spring break. Everyone's heard of spring break, um, there's this place called South Padre Island. I'm not sure if you heard about it. But spring break is known to be uh, really, really crazy out there. We're talking people drinking. We're talking people taking advantage of others. We're talking people doing drugs straight out on the beach. You find needles and stuff every now and then out there. And so what us as a ministry, we have a, an event called Beach Reach which uh, we're going to reach the beach. You have uh, students from all over Texas, even some from different colleges in different states that just want to be a part of it, that uh, college students that come in, they're trained, they teach how to share the gospel with individuals, and we come out on these vans, these white vans. It's, it doesn't look that sketch. don't worry. Um, we, uh, it's, it was weird at first when they were describing it to me, but we uh we paint the vans. Uh, we'll have silly names, kind of like the Muffin Van was one of the ones <laughs> I wrote on, um, and we're driving I out. If
0: that makes it better or worse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we have muffins. Jump in. <laughs> but uh, it's good. But we have um, what what we do strategically is we get a van and you have the driver. Driver, main main purpose of him is to. To drive us, and to also uh, know when there's a great conversation going. To like, they're going different speeds, and you won't realize it unless you're paying absolute close attention. Um, you have people sitting in each rows. Front two are always women. Back two are always dudes. One in each row, and we stop throughout the week. We're giving out free cards, and we're giving free rides out. And they'll call a number. They'll send, oh, muffin van, can you go pick up this group? And we'll go and pick someone up. And some of these people are coming out of their hotels, they want to go to bars, they want to go drink, or maybe they're coming out of bars and they've just finished drinking. And we get to sit with them and we get to share with them our testimonies. We get to make fun uh, fun relationships with them. But most importantly, we get to share the gospel with them, get to share them who Jesus Christ is. And some of them have never heard who Jesus is. I met a couple, uh, a few dudes that came from India that were at spring break just to party, and all of a sudden they heard the gospel for the first time. And one of them is just like, he's breaking down because he doesn't want to do what he's doing, but he doesn't know how to accept this new thing he just realized. So we're strategic about it. We're picking up people. People, how can you resist a free ride when there's like traffic all over the place and there's people willing to take you somewhere? But I think one of the, the coolest positions is the passenger right next to the driver. Because the passenger, he's actively has his cell phone out and he looks like he's ignoring everything. He might jump into a couple conversations. But what he's doing is he's using his Twitter. He's tweeting out uh, hashtag BeachReach23 or, or whatever it is. And he's putting, guys, can you please pray for Jessica in the back? She's starting. A gospel conversation with a girl named Hannah. Please pray that God does something. And he click send. And what happens is that message goes straight into one of the churches that's helping us out. And it's getting posted on a big projector. A room that's a lot bigger than this one. And meanwhile, you're getting all these tweets coming in from all different kinds of vans. And out in the open, you just have silence. Students are kneeling down they're praying and some of them are just out there and they're crying out to god like pray for hannah right now she's getting to hear the gospel for the first time pray that you open up her heart to it and you walk into this room and everyone is just pushing everything they can through prayer because sometimes that's all we got and yet uh every now and then you just get this miraculous moment where you get Uh, Ricky just accepted Jesus into his life and you get everyone in the room just screaming, cheering, having so much fun, getting so excited that they have a new brother or sister in Christ and we get to celebrate that together. Um, Another thing we do is we give out free pancakes. That's just a, (laughs) that's a a fun part for me. (laughs) But yeah, you'll have people that or take advantage of our vans every single day. You'll get people that get in vans once and never want to come back. But then you'll see them on the last day coming to get free pancakes because they ran out of money, and we get to sit down with them and share Jesus with them. And uh, this last year, I think this is a great motivation for everyone here. Is we got to give seventeen thousand seven hundred and sixty-five rides at spring break for the two weeks that we do beach, beach reach. Since people have different spring break rides. We got to share the gospel 9,670 times. We got to pray with 7,229 people. We got to uh, see 183 people come to know Christ for the first time. We got to see 91 people recommit their lives after straying so far away. And on the last day, we get to go to the beach and this year, we got a total of 49 people that we baptized in the oceans of South Padre Island. And it's cool seeing numbers. Um, I think numbers can sometimes be toxic. I think it's hard to turn someone in just to a simple number. But when you see numbers like that, you really get to see how God's been working so hard. Not just in the people that are training to share the gospel. Not just in the people that are coming for the open hearts. But the way he's been praying on that island like there's Christians 20 years ago that I'm certain, I'm positive, have been praying for the people that were coming in this year. <laughs> but um, I think that's a, a big one for me. So huge. If you have me on Facebook, you would see me posting constantly about it. And I, I think a, a big moment for me was a week later after coming back from that mission trip, um, I got a call from my dad that he accepted Christ into his life. And it's, uh, I get a little emotional, but it's, uh, I mentioned it in the class was, I don't think it's going to matter once we get up in heaven. I don't think we're going to be uh, missing our loved ones so, so much in heaven. I think we're going to be too busy praising God the entire time. But right now I have this inner peace knowing that I get to see my father in heaven one day. So that's all I have to say. I'll take yes. your time for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome so Rudy literally shares his testimony for like a living like he gets to do this all the time and so um, Rudy we're really grateful to have you um, and if you haven't met Rudy he's in our 20s group um, so if you see him on Sunday say hi but David, oh yeah what do you do for well I'm giving it away for BSM. <laughs> Yeah. And I started around San Antonio, so yeah. We got going on, so yeah. We and some of that's at BUA, right? There's a lot at BUA. Yes. Yeah. Cause we so this church partners with Baptist University of the Americas and they, they have a big BSM presence too. And April, you're in BSM too. <laughs> April. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um Rudy, thank you for sharing. That's so encouraging. Um, that's awesome. And I knew that, that he just had this like crazy last few weeks, um, and just this amazing experience with the Lord, and so I wanted so badly for you to be able to um, to share that, and so um, we're, we're happy for you, and that's awesome. Um, okay, so Dean, would you be willing to come up and share? <laughs> Yay, Dean. And so, and there was a reason that I um, asked the people I did, because I knew that these would all be I I've seen a little bit about how the Lord has been working. Yes, mess with it all you want. Um, or you can take it out, too. Um, I've seen a little bit about how the Lord has been working um, in Rudy and then Dean and Sarah's lives. Um, and these are all going to be so different, um, but also encouraging about how the Lord has moved. And so let me pray for Dean really quick, um, and then we'll go. Lord, we thank you for Dean and we thank you for the fact that you led him here um, by intention and you led him to this group with intention. And Lord, we we get to um, celebrate with him and we get to learn from him and we get to minister to and be ministered by him and we're grateful. And so, Lord, we we celebrate um, this new walk in faith with him. And Lord, we're, we're grateful for the testimony that you've given him. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. So... When I was very young, I used to be very, very, very lucky. I don't know why, but I do have a very vivid memory of the day that I met or heard of the Lord. So I was six years old, and I had just won a sweepstakes, and my father came into the house, and he was confused but excited, and I don't really know how to explain it. But he told me about this being called the Lord, and I thought he was crazy at the time. But as my life went on, I kind of had this memory stuck in my head, and I don't know why, but. Anytime anything went wrong in my life, I always thought back to that and I always saw that memory as the day the Lord pruned my life. Mm-hmm. And caused a lot of resentment as I was growing up. But literally anything that went wrong, if I stubbed my toe, bad day at work, I just always blamed the Lord. Mm-hmm. But as I kept going to church and more and more and I got older, it just started falling off and I eventually got old enough to get away. So And as I got older, my life became harder, and I realized that at some point, I think I was going to be stuck in a small town forever with no purpose. So just had resentment for the Lord and no desire to really live at the time. So my depression and suicide started skyrocketing, and then I eventually got fired from my job. And it was at that point that I started putting in a a plan how to kill myself. So while I was determining what to do, I was overcome with a desire to not be forgotten. So I try to figure out a way to always be remembered. And I remembered at the job before I was fired, there was a man there that had just joined the, I believe he went to the Navy. So I knew nothing about the military at the time, but I knew people died. So I sent a motion to join the Air Force in a desire to die hoping to save someone's life and be put on a memorial or anything like that. Well, little did I know when I got into the Air Force, that's not exactly how it works. Had I joined the Army, possibly. So at that point, I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of went with emotion, but I still suffered with depression. And then one day I was talking with one of my friends about it and somebody ended up reporting me. And I was furious, but I was mandated to go to therapy. I don't know what y'all know about the South, but most people tend to think it's a load of hooey and doesn't really work. That's what I thought as well, because that's what I had been taught. But eventually it started to get better. It actually worked for me. And I'm a huge advocate of now. But eventually as well, I uh, got medically retired for reasons for my job, for what I did, and I got out. At that point, I kind of had a desire to live. I didn't know what to do, so I started going to college. <clears throat> uh, one second. Oh, and at that point, I started reconnecting with my father. So I hadn't really talked to my father for about seven years. Uh, like I said, I hated him and the Lord. And I don't know, one day I was on online gaming, and I saw he was online, and I just sent him a message. And I don't really know that desire. But I started talking to him, and he started preaching to the Lord. And at this point, I don't remember, I think it was, it was a very long time. I think it might have been 20 years at that point. So he knew a lot more than he did at that time when I was six. And he always tried to preach to me, and I always shot him down, tried to find ways to put holes in his belief just to, I guess, belittle him. Uh, But then, one day, I woke up with existential dread, and I had actually no more desire to ever die. And at that point, I started thinking and really wasn't sure that I wanted my father to die or anyone else to die around me. At that point before, I never really cared. So at that point, I started closing myself off, not making new relationships. That way, if anyone did die, it didn't bother me. Of course, it didn't really work with my father because I just couldn't give up, and so Every night for, I think, a little over a year, I would have panic attacks and couldn't get to sleep. And I would call him every night, and he would talk to me about the Lord. And, of course, I still tried to shoot him down, but I just couldn't let him go, and he kept trying his best. He prayed for me every night as well. Uh, Then one day when I was trying to sleep, I could for some reason the Lord just came into my mind, and I couldn't let it go. So I started doing some research, and I called my father and talked to him about it. This is probably the first time I actually started wanting to learn about the Lord. So he then told me about predestination, the elect, Calvinism, and Arminianism. And when he told me that uh, God calls people to him and that we don't choose him, uh, I started just for some reason not thinking what I said. I just said what I said, and I complained. I didn't think it was fair. I was mad because at that point I actually wanted to go to the Lord, but I wasn't listening to the words that I was saying. And when he stopped me and calmed me down, and he said, Son, I think this might be the Lord calling you. And I was... Deeply confused because I felt like it was a struggle that I was trying to fight, and I just realized that I don't know why I was fighting. But I still went to bed, and I started researching more things to dispute him. I not once did I try to research anything to claim that he was real. And every time I found an article, it was not very well done. So I, it didn't actually push me away. It actually started making me want to come closer. So then I swapped over to doing logic. I'm a big person on logic and science. So I looked into my belief about the Big Bang Theory. I was always taught the Big Bang Theory is what disproved the Lord. Well, guess what? It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is that the Big Bang Theory comes from nothing, right? Well, I don't know if you guys know this. There is no such thing as nothing. We can't even create nothing. If we we take something and literally take everything out of it, there's still stuff left in it. And two of the big things that are in it are uh, space-time with a hyphen and quantum fluctuations. Quantum fluctuations are the idea where the Big Bang Theory came. So it's the idea that potential energy can come out of anywhere at any time and then disappear. Well, the problem with that is that it requires the laws of physics, which needed to exist before, so then my mind just exploded. Because I was like, that doesn't disprove the Lord. The Lord could have created the laws of physics. He could have created the Big Bang Theory on himself. And I realized at that point in my life, I had been avoiding my beliefs because for the sole purpose that I figured if I looked into it, it might break me down. Guess what? It did. So that night, I lay down in bed with probably all the weight of the world on me, realizing that what I had believed for 30-something years was nothing. Yeah. I'm still a firm supporter of science. The only difference now is I believe it coincides with Christ. Yeah. But with that entire weight of the world, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I just said, all right, you win. We'll do it your way. And at that time... It just felt like everything was off of me. And it was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. But ironically, when I turned over to look at the time, it was actually January 1st of 2023, about two or three minutes after midnight. And I just thought that was impressive. But <laughs> I still went on to do some research because I knew nothing about denominations. So I looked, and that sent me into a spiral of being worried that I wouldn't serve the Lord properly. And then I started looking for churches, and boy, I did not know how to pick a church. And one day I got up, and I went to talk to my landlord and a bunch, uh, a bunch of other people in my apartment complex. How did they choose their churches? And, they, you know, it was kind of like, it kind of chooses you. So I went back, and I started looking up live streams. Thankfully for COVID, everybody started filming this stuff. And I looked at a few churches, and it just didn't feel right. So I sat on it, and I went to bed. Woke up the next day, went to my mailbox, and my landlord stopped me and told me about Samuel. I don't know if you guys met him, but he works here at Maintenance.
0: He comes in to Wolfson on Wednesday night, so you might see him later.
2: (laughs) And he told me about uh, this church. So I watched some of the live streams, and I said, this is it. I know this is it. And I was like, it just landed right in my lap, all those worries for no reason. So I ended up going to the church, and... With that came with, uh, like Rudy was saying, a lot of the things that I used to enjoy was just disgusting to me, I guess, at the time. Just sinful things. And I had also been worrying about volunteering. And, like, I don't, I, when I was in the military, I used to volunteer, but I hated it because it was voluntold. So <laughs> it wasn't really like I was doing anything good for people. And I always thought people did volunteering just to make themselves feel better. And then I... I think it was the first night i met megan she had talked about a volunteer opportunity and i've been a firm support i prefer labor for volunteering rather than just paying and literally the first volunteer i hear from her is about helping rick at uh one of the apartment complex for people that can't clean so i went there and i just think man he just keeps throwing it right in front of me and uh anyways one last thing make sure i get it all Oh, and at times I do, I don't know if I would say ashamed or saddened, but it took 30 years to find the Lord. But I think with that, it comes with the ability to show to others what it can be overcame. I was literally going to kill myself, and I had no purpose, and now all those thoughts and all those feelings are gone, and now I feel like I'm happy that there's a being out there that takes care of us and has a purpose for us and will eventually exact punishment or justice that is needed. Um, and the last thing I just wanted to say is I know a lot of people debate uh, Calvinism and Arminianism. And I always thought at times I struggled with, did I come to the Lord and choose him because I wanted to avoid going to hell? It's something I struggled with. But then I always think back to the moment that I tried so much to find a way to avoid believing in him. I looked at so many things. And I realized, no, I, I tried to get out of it. He pulled me pulled me to him, and I failed find a way to get away from them, but it is one of the most happy failures I've ever had in my life, so, That's awesome. that's
0: it. Thank you, Dean. That's awesome, and Dean just got baptized a few weeks ago, um, if you know Brant Burnett, um, he was able to, to baptize him, and so, um, if, obviously, um, the Lord has just been at work as always, but, um. Watching, watching Dean come into this church and then um, continue to get to know the Lord has been a joy and a gift. And so um, Sarah, last but most certainly not least. Um, let, me pr- let me pray over you really quick um, and then we will, we will finish off uh, with Sarah's testimony. Lord, we thank you for Sarah and we thank you for the miraculous way that you have worked in her life um, from the beginning until now. Um and Lord, we're grateful for the way that you um that you have gone out before her and behind her. Um and Lord that you're continuing that good work that you started in her um, and we are able to participate in that with her. Um so it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. Well <laughs> um oh I kind of have having allergies if I have runny nose, <laughs> forgive me. And if I I have so many stories and testimonies, but um, I'll focus on uh, my very first stage of coming to the Lord, um, come to know Jesus, and maybe um, then I will briefly mention the later stages and maybe uh, a little bit more on the last stage, which is my current stage. (laughs) Just, uh, yeah a long life. <laughs> I have <laughs> so many, I have gone through so much. Um, I have gone through so much and seen like from the east to the west mm-hmm. and probably all of you know I came from China. I grew up in China e- uh, northeast. Um, east of us is Korea. North of us is Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Siberian Russia, or anyway, the very Far East Russia. So um, I grew up in a very small town, like uh, like Bernie to San Antonio, or <laughs> even smaller than that. Um, so uh, the, my, the town is very really small. Everybody know my family. My dad is the head of the police station. You know, maybe just the police station is like 15 people total. And my mom uh, was accountant uh, of the main industry in that small town, the only industry. <laughs> um, and um, it's not agricultural, uh, still a little more industrial small town, but like you walk a little bit is the field, like the, the corn, the, you know, the crops, that small. So I grew up a very happy childhood, peaceful. Um, My parents are very um, loving, traditional, hold traditional values. Um, You know, uh, that kind of family. Um, And uh, just I have an older brother, older sister, and then older brother and then me. So I'm the baby. So I was really loved. Uh, Yes. but I was a very shy girl, um, um, very obedient. But actually, later on, I, I realized within me, I was rebellious and I was questioning everything. Mm-hmm. But on the outside, I, everybody think I was shy and rebellious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's shy and obedient. Um, by being, they, they think I was obedient because I was always the best student in school, like always number one in my class every school year, like nobody can beat me, and like seriously. So um, so by studying, studying hard, being a good student, I think they, they, they think I was obedient because my parents, they really value education. Um, so we were taught to there's no God. Uh, taught all in school, you know, all about evolution. And I actually question all that I was taught. Um, I actually laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I really don't believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and folks around even though we are all supposed to be supposed to be atheists, you know that's what they teach. But folks around, they actually really worship all kinds of things, um, like the earth has a god, the fire has a god, everything has, you know, just uh, worship fake idols, gods, and uh, and I laugh about them, you know, thinking that superstition. Um, I, there is Buddha, uh, B- Buddha, you know, Buddhist, Buddhist mm-hmm. kind of people. Anyway, I don't think our area has any Muslims. No, we, we are too far away from the West. <laughs> so we, yeah, but people worship all kinds of things. Um, so I laugh ab- within my heart. <laughs> Again, I was very, very shy. I, I don't talk. But within me, I was laughing about all these things. Um, and I laugh about we came from monkey and uh, evolution. Um, so uh, yeah, they teach us Marxism, Marxism. Like I laugh about that too, of course. Um, so, um, But I never heard about Jesus mm-hmm. until college. Mm-hmm. So I did, um, I did go to, um, I did have six years college in China. So I got a master degree in uh, English and American literature. <laughs> so, um, well, I was wanted to do art, but my parents like no art, no sports, no music. You have to do math, or you know something more like useful to them. So finally, I was I was okay with math, but I, in China there are lots of good math students. I was not the top. So uh, I finally chose, we have to choose you guys are really spoiled here. You can choose major anytime. You can go to college any age. We have to go to college 17, 18, you know, like go through. Um, so I have five-year elementary, um, three-year, three-year. Three-year, yeah. middle high, three-year high school. So when I get to high school, I when I enter high school, I have to declare my major: liberal arts or science. You choose. Of course, you know I was a teenager. I um, I like to read. I, I read a lot. Like our library in our town, I, the librarian told me, "I read. You have already read all the books in this <laughs> library." Yeah. So so um i uh, I was like, "Well, okay, I'll choose liberal arts, and of course, as i doing the liberal arts thing so um so yeah, I never learned cal- calculus until I came to America, actually, so yeah, never learned all that higher math, but liberal arts, yes, so I chose to okay i'll do a, I'll, I'll do English as." my major in college be an English teacher or something so that's my route um so I think god is God is really amazing. He puts people in your life every stage. so starting college um I have those um american we call them American teachers they came from America, one from Britain. Um, and apparently they're all Christians, maybe undercover. (laughs) They're maybe undercover missionaries, seriously, because missionaries do work. I literally get to know about Jesus, first time hear about Jesus from these missionaries, undercover missionaries. So they do Bible study every Saturday night, and their dorms, these foreign teachers, they live in the dorm on campus, Next to the foreign language students, I'm a foreign language, uh, I mean, the College of Foreign Languages, right? Um, Next to our dorm. So, um, and again, I'm always a good student. I'm always like in the first row, front row, and always asking teacher questions and just really good, you know, learning. Um, So, so, of course, all these American teachers love me, and uh, I, I always like, go to visit their office and uh, try to talk to them. Um, also try to s- practice using my English skills. Um, so uh, I saw their book, Holy Bible. I'm like, what's this? They're not allowed to tell students anything about Jesus. Jesus. Uh, that's why I say they are undercover, because the government, the school, watch them, what they teach in class. But after class time, if students ask them, they need to answer, right? So I ask them, like, what's this book? And uh, so I start to hear about the gospel. That's how. So it's really, it really works to be a missionary in other countries, trust me. Um, I really haven't heard about Jesus until then. And um, I, uh, by the end of my undergraduate, I was about to go into graduate school because I don't want to be a middle school English teacher. I want to be a college (laughs) English teacher. Um, Yeah, I'm very ambitious. uh, And I don't want to deal with middle school kids. Yeah. So I, even though I actually hated to, I like to read, but I hated to study literature, to, oh, do the literary critiques, you know. Um, I love to read all these English and American, British, American um, famous novels I have read, and poem poets and books, you know, like all that. So um, even though I hate it, but in China you cannot change major at all, no way. I have to stick with what I chose, so I was like, "Okay, I'll do I'll do a master' degree in English and American literature." Um, so, by the time before I graduate, um, my mom all of a sudden passed away at fifty five. Um, so again, my my mom and dad are still in the small town, you know. I was in the big capital city in a pretty good university in the whole Northeast. So I was about four or five hours drive away. Um, And my sister also in that same city. Um, So we didn't get to see mom. So when we got the news, um, in, in the morning, a car came to pick us up saying your mom was very sick in hospital. And we just, okay, I have to say that morning, before I woke up, I dreamed my mom. I dreamed, there are two dreams um, by then. One was right right before we're at, when my grandpa passed away, I dreamed my grandpa passed away. And then the second dream, which is that morning I dreamed my mom passed away. The only two dreams I remember clearly, and um, of course, as a teenager or, you know, I never remember other dreams. So these two dreams are very, very, I think God is amazing. They are very interesting that nobody in the family dreamed that our family member passed away. I'm the only one who dreamed that they pass away and they passed away. Mm-hmm. So when my mom passed away, it really shaken me like so much because at that time I still think there's no God. Even though I heard about Jesus, okay, uh, I, okay, it didn't really. Again, God used something to, to shake you up. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing happened in my life, I might. Oh, okay, like hearing a story, you know, reading a novel or something mm-hmm. about Jesus, because. At that time, I never thought about life, death. I was just a happy teenager, and uh, actually I was around 21 already, yeah. But um, God used things like this to change you, bring you up, move you forward. So all of a sudden, I was like, Wow. There must be souls after the body pass away. Then otherwise, why? Because when I dreamed about my mom pass away, my mom already passed away. Mm -hmm. My mom passed away, according to my dad, around 2 a.m., and I dreamed that around 5, maybe 6 a.m., early morning. Mm -hmm. So that makes me feel, start to question, wow, we must have still we must be still be existing our soul otherwise why i have the dream my mom came to me i i was like there is there has to be life after death after the physical body pass away there has to be life there has to be because both my Grandpa and my mom told me, like, after they died, they came to me. Um, so, um, it really, it really, like, big blow. And I first time start to think about life, death, where we came from, and where are we going? Um, our, you know, where my mom went, like, So this is a time I remembered Jesus. Mm -hmm. I remembered my American teachers told me we are created by God. We actually um, not, you know, of course, from the evolution and all that. And we are all sinners and the sinner story, uh, Adam and Eve story. And I remembered, Mm -hmm. I remembered, oh, And because we're all sinners, we are separated from God. Um, And God sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Um, The only way, and they use a very simple analogy, like a person A, B, C. If A borrowed money from B, C said, (laughs) I will return you the money. You know, if you believe me and you're debt free. They used something really simple to to tell me about this. I uh, so that's the time I start to wow, really think about that. So of course, after the funeral and all that, I went back to school. I immediately first thing I do is go look for the American teacher who told me about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And just with a simple faith, I. Um, accepted Jesus Christ. Just really simple faith. I, my simple faith is I truly believe we have souls. We're not just gone after the body, gone, like we're just gone completely from this whole universe. We're still existing. Um, and uh, I, uh, since I laughed about the human, you know, we're from monkeys, So I I truly believe God made this, made us. um, So again, that was infant stage. And then my infant stage lasted uh, till till after after I got married and divorced. Okay, so, uh, but I I still want to talk a little bit more about uh, my infant stage in China. Um, So I went to graduate school, and uh, I graduated in two years, so I actually taught one year college English. <laughs> I was sent from the northeast China all the way to this big city near Hong Kong, just like from New York or, or whatever, Massachusetts, all the way to Houston or Corpus Christi, like. I was sent to a college there in that city, very big city, people speak Cantonese there. They, I speak Mandarin, but they speak Cantonese, uh, including you know all the Hong Kong people, they speak Cantonese because they're right next to Hong Kong. And that's also the time, oh, by the way, my English and American literature actually um, teach me a lot about Western culture, Western history, um, American values. And I've been telling myself, I want to go to the land of the brave and the land of freedom. (laughs) You know, because America, wow, America is a land of freedom, land of the brave. Like, I want the freedom because that's the time I started to see the dark about Communist Party, mm-hmm. um, about how I supposed to you know, find a job. There's so much dark stuff when, when you graduate. Um, who gets which job? Mm-hmm. The government assign you. You don't, get to, you don't get to freely choose job yourself. Mm-hmm. The government assign you, the, the school assign you to which job. Initially, this, they assigned me to a college I really don't want to go to. Finally, my sister and we, we helped. Just as I go through, start to go, grow up more, go through a little more things, and of course from family, you know, whatever things going on among family, I, I really don't like the Communist Party, the government. And uh, in my all my Western education, Western culture education helped. Um, it it also plus all my uh, the Christian belief. It helped me. Um, I just so much want to um, run away from the communist country as soon as I could. And I did. Um, so as I finally land in the job teaching in this college in the South, I also start to contact schools in um, America, uh, apply for a scholarship and all that, going through the English tests and all that. Um, and there is um, one testimony um, as I transition from the North to the South. Uh, at the airport. Um, so the, the, I have to mention this testimony, this specific one, because it makes me, being a zero to three month infant as a Christian, jump to maybe a year old. <laughs> okay, I have to mention this because God put people in your life. It's really, God is so amazing. Um, so um, my sister and I. So I was I landed in the South. I started to, you know, teach, and but I started my life there. I know nobody. Everybody speaks Cantonese. And um, And my sister uh, came to help me with with her only daughter, my niece. My niece was like five, six years old. Um, and when they tried to fly back to back home, at the airport, they stopped us. Oh, because my niece doesn't have a ID. They don't want. They don't want my sister go go on the airplane with my. They want to separate my niece from the mom. Mm-hmm. Communist country. It's so weird. Anyway, um, they, they, this person go by book, or whatever. And this was like at an airport, like a counter, like a ticketing counter. Yeah, we were, we were trying to buy ticket for my niece, and they don't sell the ticket because she has no ID. Yeah. And we were like, well, you know, children don't really have ID anyway. Yeah, they have uh, some kind of informal kind of ID. Mm-hmm. Just like kids here, there's mm-hmm. some kind of school-given ID anyway. Um, so we were like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So finally, um, there's a lady uh, heard behind the counter, also one of the staff heard about this and talked to the person who really go by book. And this lady tried to persuade this person, like, okay, just, just sell them. Don't, don't, like, don't go by the book. You can tell their mom and daughter. Don't You know, you shouldn't separate them. So we got a ticket, and we were so grateful, so thankful, and so that lady, um, we, we were like, and China, okay, everywhere, like, um, if, if they, people help you with something, give you some favor, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you have to thank them with money, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, because the Communist Party teach you to hate people. Mm-hmm. They teach you to ha- oh, they they always teach you to hate America. By the way, <laughs> hate America, <laughs> um, hate Japan. <laughs> so anyway, um, and uh, people do things if they, if some people some somebody helped you, mm-hmm. you have to oh thank you so much like. Like, can I give you some big gift or money or something to thank you, you know, uh, as a return? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, uh, please don't. She brought out a Bible Mm -hmm. on the counter. And by, by that time, of course, I'm a Christian already. I was not baptized, though, but I accepted Jesus Christ. And my sister also accepted Jesus Christ because my sister and I, we are often together. And we know the Bible, of course. Mm-hmm. We're like, wow, you're a Christian too. Mm-hmm. So we talk, and I became yeah. friends with this lady uh, who is just around my age, uh, because we both are in this city, and she's from the north as well, yeah. a different city. So we, so I ended up going with her every weekend to a family church. <laughs> We don't go to government uh, yeah. church because the government church, uh, government-controlled church, don't allow pastors to teach about Revelation. Mm-hmm. The last book was not allowed to teach, <laughs> um, and certain things they are not. They don't. They they have undercover police sitting in church every time listen to the sermon, mm-hmm. and I wonder sometimes whether the police will. <laughs> Except yeah. Jesus Christ, but anyway. <laughs> yes. So uh, and they don't. Uh, they don't want you to teach the kids the Bible. Mm. So you cannot have oh kids Bible study or kids Sunday school things like that. Mm. There's so many control. Oh my God. Yeah. I, um, I start to go to family uh, underground the family church. With her, so God put her in my life um, to grow. And this uh, family church, uh, the pastor uh, was a seventy-year-old man from Hong Kong, grew up from Hong Kong, and he was put in prison again. His Mm -hmm. he was seventy at that time. His name is Samuel Lam. Uh, he wrote book in English and Chinese because he was from Hong Kong mm-hmm. and because of the UK colony, you know mm-hmm. he knows English pretty well so he wrote books in English and Chinese um, about the Christian faith and he was put in prison by the Communist Party for 17 years mm-hmm. um, and his Family church was so was uh it's his own house, his own house like a three story little building. Um, and people are literally like couldn't it was so crowded, couldn't sit inside. People were sitting all around the building outside, trying to mm-hmm. listen to the word. Uh, it was so touching. Yeah. Oh, whenever I, I see the scene and I recall, it was so touching. And people are mm-hmm. s- just so strong in faith. Um, by the way, when President Reagan visited Samuel mm-hmm. Lamb, the government, before President Reagan arrived, mm-hmm. they paved the road <laughs> in front of the house. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway Yeah, yeah there's so many stories no. um, That's amazing, that's awesome Yes,
0: And so many different people At from, that time, yeah, Pastor Samuel
3: works. Lamb was just, was just released From the prison a few years Anyway mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. Yes, so I Jumped to a year old <laughs> Probably, I was really Passionate, I was like, wow So other than being a, Trying to be a new teacher You know, that's all I do uh, in that new city um, where I know nobody, but I know this sister. Yeah. So God put a sister in my life yeah. in a brand new city where everybody speaks Cantonese. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yes. So, of course, so um, again, God apparently has a plan for me to come to America. So I came to Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, uh, on the scholarship, um, and uh, I stayed in also a sister, mm-hmm. a, a Christian sister's house. Um, my American teacher, they know each other. Mm-hmm. They um, So it's like, well, I'm not exchange student, but they like to host mm-hmm. foreign students. Yeah. And I ended up fell in love with her brother. Her <laughs> brother was like, yeah, was like uh, visiting from California, mm-hmm. um, and we fell in love. And uh, yes, we. So I actually ended up uh, like within the first year I was in America, he proposed, and I married mm-hmm. him really brief because we really didn't date a whole long time. <laughs> I really haven't seen, he live in California, but for me he, uh, when he proposed, he he decided to move to Ohio mm-hmm. for me. But again, it was kind of long distance and we, yeah. you know, so yeah. I briefly married him, like close my eyes. Actually, uh, <laughs> like, um, Later on I have been telling like other ladies single ladies like open your eyes real big before you marry somebody after you marry somebody you close your eyes oh my <laughs> but before you marry you need to open your eyes so I was just the opposite
0: oh my gosh I
3: was so naive That's I funny. Be, be, before I marry him, I really yeah. didn't have a real boyfriend in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really no. didn't have any... Yeah, so that's a whole new... I was of, so naive to yeah. relationships. I really know nothing about relationships. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I know
0: we're getting late, and I know that... I know. That so we, sorry. No, no, <laughs> I rambled on. Um, do you all have five more minutes? Okay. Um, Because I also want to hear about your son Nathan
3: and how the Lord is moving. Now, from now on, I want to briefly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, my marriage was a wrong marriage. I see. That's my. I went back to zero to three months infant. Yeah, from one year old infant, I went back. I mean, I went back to uh, not growing at all, Mm -hmm. even backward, because I was upset with God. God, I was complaining all the time. Um, But, of course, during that, all that time, I was back in school and uh, I did another eight years of college, uh, four years of undergraduate, and then four years of College of Pharmacy, uh, UT Austin. Mm -hmm. So, my later two years of undergraduate, I finished at Stephen F. Austin uh, in Nacogdoches, mm-hmm. East Texas. Um, but throughout the eight years, also through which was my marriage life, mm-hmm. I was a complainer. Mm-hmm. I was not happy because we were totally different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why God, you, you made me marry this guy. <laughs> you. Yeah. It, I was just all blaming God. Uh, God, you, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, um, so anyway, um, make that short. <laughs> so after the divorce, I, um, I that was in Austin. Um, but throughout this time, I do still go to church, but literally I was lukewarm. I was not happy with God. Um, I just going through the motion as a Christian because he is a Christian as well. We are both Christians and we do go to church, but he only go to church. He doesn't do Bible studying or anything. I uh, didn't see fruit from him. And I definitely have no fruits of. From the Holy Spirit. Uh, that was the worst time. <laughs> so didn't grow at all. After divorce, I uh, start to, you know, because I was all alone with being a single mom, I start to go to church. I need a little bit of help sometimes, and also just... Um, I've gone through so much emotional most stuff. You know, when you go through divorce, you go through lots of emotional stuff. Uh, school was very heavy, heavy burden. And another miracle in my life is after the board exam, I was so toasted. I, there were like more than 10 uh, questions on the board exam I didn't even get to. Time was up. It was the hardest exam in my 14 years of college life, the hardest exam. I was like totally believing I failed that board exam. And uh, I think that's, I really think that's a miracle that I passed, and I passed just a little bit, <laughs> a little bit past, uh, past yeah. the, the lowest line. So yeah. anyway, What I was trying to say is I started to grow from maybe one year, uh, (laughs) like three months old to a three, four, five, a toddler time uh, during my time from then all the way till Nathan became a teenager, like around 15 or 16. (laughs) So now I want to say a little bit more about this. So when Nathan was 15, 16, started to show all that teenager problems, I awakened me again. Yeah. So even I was a, maybe a toddler kind of in faith, yeah. and I was still not really regularly studying the Bible. I was not really praying, you know, daily. I was not really having a close relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, And also that's the time, amazing That's the time God put another lady Another sister in my life Who is my co-worker She's a Malaysian Chinese She grew up in Malaysia uh, Came just like me To America for school And she's such a strong You know, uh, Christian I mean, faith Um, We work every day Um because we were co-workers uh, where our desks are not far from each other and uh, we and all she actually all she talked about at work is about Jesus and the Bible and uh, which part of the Bible she was reading and how she was like having like things you know like uh, and I was really like wow okay and I was really encouraged. Okay, so we, we study Bible together uh, at work, mm-hmm. and um, so that's another part. And and God put this sister in my life, and God put my son in my life <laughs> to change me. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. So uh, I became a praying mom. Mm-hmm. I uh, slowly become more and more uh, drawn into my faith because I know the only way to help my son Mm -hmm. is I am a good uh, Christian follower to be a good example for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So since then I have been walking closely in my faith and uh, more and more reading the Bible and this sister introduced me to this Zoom reading group since last last January. So now over a year, I've been in this Zoom reading group, Bible reading and study group. We read uh, five nights a week. So every week, five nights a week, about 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it helped me grow a lot. Yeah. And I can see the difference. Yeah how I can see my son, that our relationship has changed dramatically. And I have seen so much shortcomings about me, Mm -hmm. like, wow, I didn't do this. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm not criticizing myself now anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. feel bad, bad, Mm -hmm. like, oh, about my son's whatever failure, you know, Mm -hmm. college failure. Um, I now learned what i was doing wrong and now i doing it right mm-hmm. what, like my like words from my mouth is so important that's yeah. that's my lesson yeah. as a mom yes and
0: and like the story has <laughs> even just recently right in within the last couple months nathan got he baptized He got baptized yeah.
3: yes he is <laughs> That's he, awesome. Yeah, he found his own church. We, we love Nathan. And he wants to serve at that church.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's awesome.
3: Uh, a small Christian church, uh, very family-centered, um, and he wants to serve there. He wants to be involved. Um, yeah. Yes, he is really ambitious in um, yeah. serving God. Yeah. Um, he awesome. also wants to be in... America involved in America politics in the future yeah. to change America. He yeah. told me he wants to stop Chinese infiltration <laughs> in the in America.
0: If y'all know Nathan, you know how funny he is. He doesn't like is. Chinese so
3: governments yeah. either. <laughs> That's and awesome. the last thing I want to mention is yeah. I was the first Christian ba- being baptized in my family. Wow. Uh, by now, all my aunts, uncles, cousins, they all accepted wow. Jesus Christ. God. Of course, That's awesome. my par- parents and the sister-brother, everybody yeah. in my family all accepted Jesus wow. Christ. That's awesome.
0: That's amazing. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your testimony.
3: Oh, my Thank you. Yeah.